Hey guys, welcome to another MMA on SiriusXM podcast. Let's have some fun today. I'm RJ Clifford. I hosted with Dean Thomas today. We talked to Greg Jones, Kilcliffe MMA wrestling coach. He had a lot of interesting things to say about mixed martial arts and wrestling. And in the wake of Jake Paul selling his fight against Anderson Silva, didn't do very well pay-per-view-wise, will Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul sell better? I say absolutely yes. Enjoy. Joining us now, not once, not twice, but thrice, NCAA wrestling thrice. champion, thrice, count them, one, two, three, yeah. trifecta with those NCAA <laughs> titles, West Virginia University Hall of Famer, one of the best wrestling coaches in all of mixed martial arts, Greg Jones. How you doing, Greg? Good, guys. Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on, yeah? Of course. Um, first question, did you shit your pants when Leon Edwards took down Kamara Usman? <laughs> because I did no no it's in may guys are getting better yeah, things happen you know i'm more more so whenever he threw the head kick and uh that was more unpredictable <laughs> than the takedown to yeah. me but you know because there's i guess there's like um there's there's gotta be a level of pride with usman with that like perfection like he had never been really taken down um you know there's something about like batting a thousand in something that like you're right like mma is so random and like we've seen great you know den henderson got taken down all the time right like we see it it's, it's not like this wild thing but right i, don't right. Know, I guess when, when you're when you're perfect at something you're like oh this kickboxing brit's the one that actually like got the clean takedown you're like what the hell no 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 i know i know what you mean it's like uh they might have guys talking about missing weight like that like like mm-hmm. I, I've only missed weight one time. I was like, yeah, but it'd be really nice not to ever miss weight, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it happens. It happens. Um, yeah, fight game. Who do you think is you know? Take yourself out of it, Greg. We we have a lot of like um you know you ask like who's the best jujitsu coach in mixed martial arts and there's a couple guys that come up. You ask like who's the best kickboxing coach in MMA? Like a couple guys come up. No one really talks about who the best wrestling coach in mixed martial arts is. Like, if you take yourself out, who do you think's the best? You know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I put myself, well, not, not me, but we at Killcliffe, we kind of operate in a bubble. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I have zero idea of how other camps are run how other camps are <laughs> operated how other camps train i i honestly have no idea obviously i i look at uh you know trends and things like that that happen that are going on from week to week um and this is not a matter of me wanting to put someone else on or put a name out there um because if i had a good name for you i would mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so i don't know i i, I don't know um I show up and I, I do my job in a manner in which I think is the right way to do it. And I leave it at that. So I don't, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Now, Greg, I know we talked about this before, but this is a completely different show, completely different audience. So I want you to just clarify on what it is that you think, why the reasons why wrestling has been so successful in MMA and what attributes from wrestling really carry over the most. Yeah, no, I think it has a lot to do with it, uh, the, the competitive repetition that, that one gets growing up in the sport of wrestling. Um, you know, from the time I was six years old, um, I would wrestle up to 100 matches a year up until I was probably in high school. And then high school, my number of matches, my co- co- competition experiences, you know, were probably in that 50, 60 uh, range. Um, so that's what 
10, 11, 12 years of, uh, of a lot of wrestling matches, a lot of uh, repetitions, understanding what you got to do in order to get your body and mind in the best position to compete. Um, obviously, there's some technical things, to, um, you know, a good double or a good, good single leg uh, helps. Um, but I think it really has more to do to commit to something that's extremely, extremely difficult. Wrestling is one of the sports that also uh, brings in uh, the weight cutting, the weight cutting experience prior to arriving in the UFC. Um, but um, more so just the, the competitive experience, the, the being able to work through adversity. Um, you know, if I was a 12 year old kid and I wrestled three weight classes, I would go get I would get 16 matches on a Saturday. Um, it's a live reps, you know, and maybe my dad was filling up for it maybe we do another tournament on sunday um so and i think it's probably the sport that probably most mirrors um what you uh what you face in mma um you know just kind of all the way around competitively so i mean so when you talk about that those are i mean as they're tangible but those are not like <clears throat> excuse me skill sets that you can right. really garnish right they're they're more so would, psychological and philosophical attributes that you get from wrestling. I would argue that wrestling skill is somewhere near the bottom of the list of why wrestlers transfer to MMA so well. That would be my argument, and I would stick to it. I agree with you. <laughs> but, but, so the, so, but what I want to ask you is, so why are so many people still drawn to the actual wrestling part of wrestling when they go when they train? Be, I mean, well, it's the only part you can. It's the only part you can mimic, though, right? It's right. the only part you can make up for, right? So it's the most, it's the most obvious thing. So, um, you know, I obviously I do a great deal of wrestling technique, um, but I put more of a. And this is just me personally. I put more of an emphasis on. To, I, I put I put more of an emphasis on wrestling positions, understanding your body, your body position, um, your athleticism. Um, you know, I kind of flip it a little bit is, um, instead of using wrestling to become a better MMA fighter, the background of these MMA fighters are so diverse. Whereas if I can use wrestling, um, as a tool to enhance their overall athleticism, you know, as far as they able to bend, move, flip their hips, uh, generate force, generate rotation with their hips or with their feet. Um, then I think naturally the wrestling actions that occur during a fight will be more efficient. There'll be less thinking involved, hopefully more, more explosive and more, more natural. So let's say you take somebody from a striking background with no wrestling experience, a kickboxer. Sure. Where do you start off with them in terms of teaching them wrestling? Because you have to start, like, it, like you said, the mimicking of the physical skill set of it. Do you start from a more offensive uh, or, or defensive stance with these guys that's an interesting question dean um and that's someone that has coached a lot of athletes because you know obviously you you if you have a kickboxer you want to get them to to stay on their feet stay on the long um you know leg attack defense often starts with your feet and hands and if you back up before that it often starts being able to put a little pressure on the guy and uh, being able to decide whenever he attacks, not letting him attack you whenever he wants, but you putting pressure on him, putting him on his back for it and forcing him to take a bad shot, right? Um, so, but with that being said, I think there's tremendous value um, 
in the learning process whenever you also learn the flip side, right? So I, I, I can learn the right field and position on my single leg defense a lot better if I know where I got to get what a real good single leg feels like, right? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like, there's kind of that balance. So first, to be more specific for your question, first, we'll, um, obviously, I, we do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, lot, I do a lot of footwork, um, both in a wrestling stance and in a fight stance. Um, my, my thought is if I can get, get you to execute, um, you know, a certain level of skills bent over in a wrestling stance, then I think naturally um, that'll help once you move to your fight stance, then it's, it's, it becomes a little bit easier. Um, I think there's different muscle groups involved, uh, the hips and back being over in a, bent over in a wrestling stance. So we spend a lot of time in wrestling stance. And I think at some point, bending over, being able to uh, generate speed and rotation in a bent over position, I think it naturally has to make your hips, uh, your hips and hands and feet faster once you're upright. Therefore, maybe we create a little bit more rotation power on that punch. Maybe we create a little bit more ro- ro- rotation power on the hips. Um, I do a lot of elementary kind of hip heist, hip flip drills. Um, I think that naturally translates into um, into being able to come on top of uh, at a scramble. Um, that last action of getting on top, flipping your hips, I think also has to translate to kicking someone in the body too, right? So I just try to find a way to mold out that together all that together um, generating from a wrestling concept. We're talking to NMA wrestling coach, Greg Jones on NMA today. I'm RJ. He's Dean. What's the biggest mistake that non wrestlers and MMA do with takedowns? Oh, Oh, oh. There's, a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of big ones. Where do I begin? <laughs> there's a lot of, How much time a you lot get? of big ones. Is there, is there uh, one obvious one or is it like a philosophical thing or is it a specific move? Is it the mechanics aren't there? No, it's gotta be, it's gotta be mechanically. Um, um, I think, especially if we're talking about strikers, um, you know, the best way to, to beat pressure is with pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why to go back to kind of put Dean's question in here too. Right. If I, I try not to fall in the trap of sprawl, get away, sprawl, get away, sprawl, get away, sprawl, get away. Cause then I'm forcing a guy to flee these wrestling positions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, um, we, you take it from whether it's single leg defense, I, I approach it from a, from attacking position and also, um, you know, you know, reinforcing in order to attack wrestling pressure, you have to apply wrestling pressure, you know, that's uh, get your feet or knees or hips, uh, feet or knees into the ground, getting your hips into your opponent, getting your, uh, keeping your height uh, somewhere above his and then be able to apply pressure to, to drive him into the ground. Now, what probably to answer your question now more specifically, uh, probably the biggest thing is is a lot of guys, especially a lot of new MMA guys, they, um, you know, for me to get a good good leg attack off, I have to get my body into your body, right? That I attack my single leg with my with my hips, with my feet, with my chest, with my head, um, on that one leg. My lock then comes, and my lock is probably the least most most important part of my my takedown because if I have my body in position, then naturally I can manipulate your body and find a way to get on top. My lock is bad. I can, if my body's good, body position is good, then I can I can address my lock and get to a little bit stronger position. Um, 
with that being said, uh, a lot of guys just reach. They try to like kind of flinch and reach and reach out and pull a leg where I don't yeah. want to reach and pull. I want to, I want to step and drive and get into you. And then if I miss a takedown, worst case scenario, then I have your back on the cage and I'm able to get an underhook head position and beat you up a little bit. But if I don't do that, then I'm somewhere on my nose. Bo Nickel, is he overhyped? I don't know. Does anyone know? <laughs> I, I was I was hoping a wrestling know. expert could tell me. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously he's a he's a fantastic prospect. Um, I'm not hating on Bo Nickel. I love to see wrestlers wrestlers uh, uh, excel in MMA. Um, I just don't know. Have we seen him get punched in the face yet? I, I don't know that I have. Um, we don't know what that reaction is going to be like. Um, I'm always careful. I'm always careful anytime with wrestler or not, anytime the UFC elevates someone and, and puts the push on someone, I'm always skeptical to about, you know, four or five, six fights in to see, to see what we can do. Um, I don't think we've seen a situation yet where fast tracking a fighter into the UFC and through the UFC has worked out. Closest thing we've come to something like that working out right now is probably Kamzat. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, he's still he's still you know barely getting started right now. He's what is he probably four or five fights in. So we got a pretty good idea about him. But most of the guys, um, I'm usually hesitant to to uh, make a make a statement about that. Pretty safe, pretty safe position too. <laughs> now I do want to. I just want to kind of go back a little bit and just comment on what you was talking about that big mistake because I also <laughs> think that that's a big mistake for me when I find guys wrestling and I call it contact position and that's the position that they're in when they make contact like your whole body right like everything has to be intact in the right position because if you are in good contact position then you can manipulate and you're right about that you just said it in a different way but i'm just i'm glad you you were you were a lot more concise yes yeah dean's basically (laughs) saying don't worry greg you're right about wrestling i've confirmed no No, but but i but i but but to put it in, in my way is it it's different because you're shooting from farther because of an MMA, you're shooting from farther. So it's harder to get good contact position because right. you're not tied up and you can't really penetrate as, as well. So that's the only reason why I can kind of speak on that from a wrestling perspective. I don't know. shit. Well, that, no, that, but that's, no, you know, enough. If you have a little bit of wrestling eye, you can identify things like that in the, in the first repetition. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's why um, your, 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 your foot position is that much more critical and important whenever you're talking about leverage changing and penetrating MMA. Um, you know, my dad had a rule, if I can't touch you, I can't shoot. So, you know, we got to find a way to operate somewhere in that jabbing range then, right? Um, if we expect to get a good leg attack off. Greg, we're up against it. Getting, I, yeah, yeah well, we're up against it. We can do this all day long. I have one more question. Um, you know how wrestlers are different breeds, right? They... You tell them to build a bridge or storm a hill, and they will, right? They're just wired that way. Does wrestling make men hard, or are hard men attracted to wrestling? Does wrestling make men hard? Like a chicken or does hard men <laughs> attracted to wrestling? Yeah. Um, does wrestling make weak men hard, or no, I hard know men what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You sound like you do that Instagram reel. And there's some <laughs> silly video in the background. No, I don't know. Um, I would say, I would say wrestling. If you, uh, you pull the successful wrestlers, um, I would say a lot of them really had no choice when they were, whenever they were eight years old. Um, usually it was very coach or father driven to, 
go down in the basement and beat each other up. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think the vast majority of kids chose that at eight years old. Mm-hmm. So I think naturally you have no choice. You have no choice to adapt <laughs> and, and, and generate some sort of tough. Yeah. Right. Um, but now with that being said, I think, and that's the exact reason why I think, and I firmly, firmly believe this. Um, I, I have a daughter. I just found out my daughter, my daughter doesn't have physical education class. She's in uh, yeah, seventh grade. They don't, they don't have P they use P as a, as an overrun class for kids that don't have any special class to go to. So hers is art. So she don't get PE. Um, and if there's one, one class that is lifelong learning, in my opinion, it is physical education class. Mm-hmm. Um, to take that a step further, I firmly believe every individual should wrestle at some point in their life. I'm not saying everyone should be, try to become a wrestler, but I think there's tremendous value. There's tremendous growth and development. Um, there's no other way to... Um, to come to understand you yourself more than through the sport of wrestling. Everyone should wrestle at some point in their life. Amen. Greg Jones, Kilcliffe MMA wrestling coach, one of the best in the biz. Thanks for coming on, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Always a pleasure talking to y'all. All All right, my man. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Anderson Silva, Jake Paul. According to Jake Paul, the numbers aren't great, even though I would argue 200, 300,000 buys in a pay-per-view is really, really damn good. That's better than 95% of attempted pay-per-views out there, right? Like I said, it's like UFC, Canelo, handful of heavyweight boxers. Those are the only people that really sell pay-per-views. And Jake Paul's probably number four. He's probably top five pay-per-view draws out there, which is nuts considering he's like barely a boxer, fighting old dudes all this other stuff. And like Anderson Silva was never really a pay-per-view draw. Like he was matchup dependent. You know, you gave him Chael Sonnen or something like that. And then towards the end, he started becoming a bigger draw. Tyron Woodley, never really a draw. Ben Askren, never, ever a draw. So the, so he's the A side and he's pulling these numbers. When he inevitably, undoubtedly, fights Nate Diaz next. Absolutely no brainer. This is the first time that he'll fight somebody who sold more pay-per-views than him. This is the first time where he's fighting a tried and true, massive, independent from the UFC, Nate Diaz. He's one of the few guys where outside the UFC, he's still going to be a very big draw. Hasn't been proven yet, but I'm telling you it's the truth. He's finally facing somebody that's going to be the A side to his B side. This next fight will be his biggest pay-per-view yet. It'll do better than the Ben Askren one. Mark my words. See, I don't know, man. Honestly, I really don't know. And the reason why is because... I just don't. Daniel Cormier said it right. He went in the he went the wrong order. Like he mm-hmm. should have fought Nate before Anderson. Yeah. Because I think everybody knows that he's gonna beat the hell out of Nate. Yeah. And I don't know if we want to want to see that or get behind that and support that. Like Anthony said, like we should. I'm not saying we should boycott him, but I think if he fights Nate, we understand that what's gonna happen in this fight. I think everybody knows it now, and. There's no intrigue to it. I think that fight would ultimately depend on the the press the the press and the the pre-fight hype. 
it would depend on the, the tour. Because if they don't do a tour like like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, then I don't think people are going to really get behind it. 100%. And this is where you, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith said the exact same thing. They went out of order because they should go skill level, right? Nate Diaz and then Anderson. You know, he should build up skill level, which is kind of what he's been doing, right? Striking-wise, Askren's worse than Woodley. Woodley's worse than Silva, right? Like, in, or And Nate's worse than Silva. So, like, you're right. Like, from a skill level-wise, that's where it should go. And this is where you guys being brilliant MMA minds is hurting you. Because that's not the draw and the intrigue of this fight. Nate Diaz fans, the bulk of them, really aren't MMA fans. There's a lot of MMA fans that are Nate Diaz fans. But you don't sell a million pay-per-views to diehard MMA fans. You sell them to people who just like who you are. Nate Diaz's fan base, pay-per-view buying fan base, they don't care. Or they probably don't know that Nate probably doesn't stand a chance against Jake Paul. That's not important to them. They just like Nate. They just like that Nate Diaz flips a double bird to the camera, smokes a joint with Usada next to him, gets in scraps on floors of other fights. That's what they like about Nate Diaz. Like the X's and O's and who's going to win and the betting lines and breaking down the fight and, the, and who weighs more and who's taller than who. I don't think they give a shit. They just like that Nate Diaz is doing this and they're going to have a great press conference. Their posses are going to get in three scraps where no one actually gets hurt, but some water bottles will get thrown and everyone gets excited. That's what's going to sell this, not the X's and O's of it. So I think they went in the perfect order because they went in order of developing draw, right? Askren sold the least pay-per-views, Woodley a little bit more, Anderson more, Nate the most. They went in perfect order because it's not about the actual fight. It's just about the circus. See, I don't know, man. I think you are underestimating the intelligence of the audience. I think they know. I think they know better. I think they have to do a good job of that circus before the fight to get their crews to get involved, to make it really will. personal. And I'm sure they will. And that's what's going to do it. And they'll have to do it in the summertime when, like he said, when there's nothing else going on. And because I think the, I think the fight IQ of the audience is getting higher. I think it's getting better. And I think people are understanding. That's why you're going to bring in the Nate Diaz crowd to lower the IQ again. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> I why. You're I right. Even getting, them. You, have, you have the sophisticated Anderson Silva fight viewers, and they're like, all right, that's why the pay-per-views are so low. You got to dumb it down by bringing Nate Diaz fans involved. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's getting The Jake Paul experience is getting too Mensa meeting, right? You got to drag it down a notch. So you got to bring in Nate Diaz to handle that. Yeah, uh, but I think even with them, man, I think they're just – I think everybody knows, like, man, do I really want to support this? I, we know what's going to happen. I'll just read about it tomorrow. Well, like, think about it. When's the last Nate Diaz headline pay-per-view that wasn't a circus? It's always a circus. The Tony Ferguson one at 279, right? Like, that was bonkers. Right? That, for sure. The presser and the switches. Uh, Jorge Masvidal at MSG, absolute circus, presser, trash talk. The two Conor McGregor fights. Like, you, that's what you're saying is like, well, if Nate Diaz is going to headline this pay-per-view, there's going to have to be a lot of heat and a lot of circus before it. It's like, that's all he does. It's always a circus where that's par for the course. That's not something like... Random and ironic. And it's more calculated than people think. When Nate's not in the pay-per-view, Leon Edwards, Anthony Pettis, Michael Johnson, it's all kind of pretty much above board. Like, he just kind of shows up, does his fight, takes his paycheck, and leaves. When he's the pay-per-view, shit goes off. Yeah, he might be smarter than we give him credit for. A hundred percent when it comes to that element of it. When it comes yeah, to, think... like, manipulating the masses. Yeah, I like, think Nate's... about it. 
Like you're thinking, like, oh well, I don't, you know, Nate doesn't have a good chance because he just beat, you know, Jake Paul beat Anderson Silva. MMA fans still think Leon Edwards should be dead right now if their fight was one minute longer. His fans that still think that Jorge Masvidal cheated by cutting Nate Diaz and that Nate Diaz was going to take over later in the fight, even though Nate Diaz has literally never taken over in the championship rounds. Of a, it's literally never happened. But they go, no, no, no. The fight was, you know, the fight would just went longer. Nate would have taken over like he's always done. That's the fan base that's buying this pay-per-view, Dean. You think they're going to think that a YouTuber doesn't stand a chance against their God? Man, I don't, I, again, man, I still don't, I just don't, I don't see it. I can't, I can't, I can't see it. I can't see those people still getting behind this and going, yeah, man, this Nate has a chance or we just want to see what's going to happen. Again, with the right promotion and the antics and all that beforehand, that could do it. Because to me, like that sold the Floyd Mayweather fight, even though we all knew it was going to happen there. You know, yeah. there was still that little intrigue. Well, what if he catches him with the left? You know, even with yeah. Nate, I'm sure that we can always say, well, what if Nate, Nate's all he's been doing is boxing? What if he catches, you know what I'm saying? So what if he tires him out? So I'm sure that we can always create that narrative for it. But I just, man, I have a hard time thinking it. I have a hard time seeing it. That's because you're too smart for all this bullshit, Dean. Like, you're you're above this. You're, you're, you're lording this. over this on Mount Olympus. And us peasants just, like, dogfighting in the back alleys. And you're just like, you know, you sneer, like, blah. Why are these hobos playing dice in the alley? It's like, well, because it's fun for us. And you're the sophisticated MMA savant. That is true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I watch my MMA in cursive. Put it that way. <laughs> you watch it through a monocle so you can, like, yeah. really look at, the, look at the ground game and establish who's dominating. MMA Today is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch MMA Today Tuesday through Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 136, and on the SXM app. XM Podcasts.